Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture, comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and His eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. I hope you're continuing to enjoy the Christmas joy that comes this time of year as we think of our wonderful Savior. And so let's begin in prayer. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for the wonderful gift of you. Thank you that you sit on the right hand of the Father and that all the plans have been delivered into your hands, that we can trust you with the things that are coming on the earth, um, the plans that you have for us as individuals, God. I pray for anybody out there who doesn't know you. Maybe they've come upon this show and they're hearing this and they they wonder, uh, is is this true? Can I receive you by faith alone? And Will you comfort me? Will you leave me? Never leave me or forsake me. And I, I pray, Jesus, that you reveal yourself to them right now. You draw all men to you and give them a chance to know you and to be safe in your care. So we just pray for the people around us. Help us to shine your light into their hearts so they come to you and to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, friends, today as we approach the gateway to a new year, we must recognize the season that we're in. That's what we're talking about, that season watch. And we're always thinking about what's going on right now. How does it fit in to prophecies? You know, all the people before us have been longing for and looking for the signs of God's return, Jesus' return, to come get his church and to begin the last day's events so that we can finally be in his care uh, out of the darkness of this world and in his marvelous light. And we pray for those things constantly. And now we're watching them. We're watching them come to pass. All the signs are lining up as never before. There's so many things that that reveal we could never have had. Uh, Yes, uh, Jesus's rapture is imminent, but we can see now that so many things had to line up. And he's told us to keep an eye out for these things, to look up, because then our redemption would be near. And so as that time approaches, we see that uh, we're at the very doors, as Jesus himself warned when he described the signs of the end times and the soon rapture of the church in Matthew 24, starting in verse 33. says, So likewise you, when you see all these things begin to happen, know it's very near, even at the doors. Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass away. The one that sees those signs, we're seeing them. This generation shall not pass away till all of these things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Amen. And by the way, whenever somebody says to you, oh, the Bible's been corrupted and you can't trust it. And uh, hey, look at if God created everything out of nothing, he can keep his word. And the Bible says over and over again that His word stands forever. And Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. He's a God that created everything out of nothing. He keeps his word so that we can all have it. It's not human. It's it's spiritual. It's guarded by God. And so uh, tell people, quote people this. No, it's not corrupted. It's still there for us. Someone may corrupt some weird version of it, but we still have the original versions we can check on, we can verify. God was faithful to do it. 
And so we should not be surprised if the conditions in this world get worse and worse as a matter of course. Just as the pains of labor intensify, they may bring sorrow in the midst of the trials, but they're evidence of God's plan coming to fullness. And we must be prepared for the encroaching darkness as these coming events increase in order to share them with others, to understand for ourselves what's coming and what to do. And so the whole counsel of God reveals his wisdom. And if we love him, we want to know these things that he's graciously revealed to us through the Bible. We have, we have a book like no other. We have prophecies and history and promises like no other faith, no other faith, no other book. Nothing compares to it. That's why it's the most widely read book on the planet ever of all time. And it's the most banned book of all time. And so just as Jesus said in John seventeen three, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom we have sent. And so he asks us to love him. If we love him, we want to know him. And that's how we know him, right? To know Jesus, we must know his word. And so we should try to read some of the Bible every day. Read it in context, not just the little verses maybe that get sent on your app. A little verse for the day, out of context. That doesn't help us to learn. We'll never be able to put the puzzle pieces together that way. We have to read it in context and see it all through. Just keep going, not little tiny, tiny little slivers, not a little snack or a little crumb. We need to start reading chapters at a time in context so we can put it together. I had a pastor once who suggested to start the new year reading through the New Testament. And so by the time you've read through all the way through the New Testament, through Revelation, we've actually already encountered a lot of the key Old Testament promises and prophecies because they're repeated and used as a sign or evidence of the prophecies. They use them in the New Testament. And so then we've, by the time we finish Revelation, we just round the bend and start reading through the Old Testament and see that when we start reading and running through, we'll run into those same verses again. And then it begins to feel familiar, right? That's a great way to do it. As someone once said, I believe, I don't know if I got this right, the Old Testament holds the plan of salvation concealed, and the New Testament is the plan of salvation revealed, or something like that. You get the idea. Once we've dedicated ourselves to keep reading and studying the whole Word of God, he starts revealing so many other verses and connections so we could build this whole library of understanding and help piece together God's glorious puzzle of revelation. Just piece it together and increase our understanding. So decide now, today, before the new year starts, decide now to be faithful, to continue reading through his word. Even if you drop the ball for a little bit, just pick up where you left off and keep going. Just shake it off. Don't worry. Everybody stops and gets messed up. Just pick it up and keep going. Don't let Satan get you down and say, oh, that's it. You already blew it. You might as well give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Just keep swimming in the words of Dory. (laughs) And uh, you'll gain new insights and God's marvelous plan for us through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's so exciting. And so, friends, the more you know the Bible, the more amazing God's plan to redeem humanity Appear. His wisdom and love are beyond our ability to fully fathom. We'll never reach the full depths of his magnificent purposes with our understanding. But instead of being discouraging, this is actually encouraging because God is faithful to always show us something new and a beautiful treasure so that there are always new layers of revelation added to our understanding 
about his nature, his creation, and salvation. Just as Psalm 104.24 declares, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your riches. He is so full of riches and treasures for us, and they delight our spirit and give us life. And so we also see in Isaiah the book that reveals so many details of God's coming Messiah and plan of salvation through Yeshua that even the angels praise God's wisdom in all things. So we see uh, Isaiah 6, verse 3. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of all the hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the doorposts were shaken by the voice of one who cried out. And so this is the angels. Angels are marveling at his glory. And so just as Paul revealed concerning the fulfilling of the law by Yeshua or Jesus, and now the dispensation of grace to the whole world as a mystery that had been veiled in the Old Testament prophecies to Israel. And so Paul explains this in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 8. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to know the intent and now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So even the God's full plans had not been revealed to angels and were hidden from Satan and his demons so that God gave this revelation to the church by the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us to reveal not only the whole to the whole world, but to actually to the angels themselves, as Paul revealed in 1 Corinthians 2. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so Yeshua, Jesus, was the sacrifice of salvation given to take away the sins of the whole world. And had Satan and his earthly agents realized that by killing him, They were actually being tricked into fulfilling all the law, the promises, and the prophecies. And then they wouldn't have done it if they had realized that. But they were blinded by lust for power and said, as Jesus described in the parable of the vine dressers, we see Matthew 21, 38, he describes, but when they saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. That's what Satan thought. Oh, look at the Son of God. Let's kill him. We can have it all. Nope, that was the plan. God tricked him. That's why it's veiled, veiled in a mystery that is revealed now through the Holy Spirit, through us. And so now we see what Paul revealed in 1 Timothy 3.16, right? I love that, 3.16, of course. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. What a magnificent, right there, you have the whole story, the whole plan right there. God was manifest in the flesh. That's Jesus, Yeshua. He came in the flesh. God was justified in his redemption plan by giving himself 
to pay for our rebellion. God was gawked at, seen of angels, that means gawked at, that they were amazed. Look at that. They were amazed to see the mighty creator of all contain himself into a human baby and then suffer a terrible punishment in the body for his creation, his rebellious creation. And the word of his redemption was sent out as a gift to the whole world. And as many believed on him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Right, And so now God in the flesh, justified in the spirit, was resurrected from the dead and received into his glory. And he is now and forever the physical presence of God, um, the physical prince of peace. Our king ascended to the right hand of his father where he waits his enemies to be made his footstool. This is a mystery. This is marvelous. God came in the flesh for us to pay for our sins. And friend, if you have questions about who God was, dive into his word where he had buried treasure in every book of the Bible to reward us just for seeking it. There are so many wondrous mysteries revealed in the word of God, and we cannot know them unless we read them. And though they were mysteries to the principalities and powers and even the heavenly host, God has given them to us, his true church, to see them by revelation of his Holy Spirit. That's his unique gift to those who love him and are called according to his purposes, those who are heirs of salvation and eternal life. And so as we enter this new year, prepare our hearts. We must prepare our hearts to walk with him in the light. We need to make a plan to read our Bibles and not to quit. Think of it as a survival preparations for a coming disaster. Think about it. If you knew a disaster was coming, for sure, you'd be foolish not to prepare. And friend, we see the day approaching. And as spiritual darkness is stirred up, it takes more and more territory, trying to swallow up the whole world in chaos. But Jesus instructed us in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night comes when no man can work. That's the tribulation, and it's coming. Verse uh, 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. That's our theme for today. And then he says in John twelve thirty five. then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. And the world is filling with darkness. We must walk in the light. We must have the light of his word and of his truth to light our path. And so today, friends, fasten your truth belts as we look into Yeshua, of Israel, Lord of glory, the word made flesh, light of the world. And uh, remember, we've been talking about God's salvation, promised redeemer, which is Yeshua, right? That's the, the word salvation, which is Jesus, right? It's the same thing. He's the Messiah of Israel. We've been talking about how he was manifest in the flesh as Yeshua, a, a son of David uh, through Israel as our Messiah, And, you know, I encounter many people who hold confusing views about the Bible and particularly about Jesus and the plan of salvation. Most of these confusing ideas come from other people and uh, they're about the Bible, but they haven't actually investigated the Bible themselves. Let's not be those people, right? People will often say, oh, yeah, I've read the Bible. But then you find quickly they don't know anything about it at all. But we can expect this from a world who rejects God and has already made up its mind. No, I don't want any of that. 
What's sad is how many people claim to be Christians, or maybe who used to be Christians and walked away, they lack a basic understanding of the Bible and the essential doctrines, such as Jesus is God. I get in arguments with Christians about Jesus being God. That's nuts. And that he died in our place for our sins, that we're saved by faith alone in what Jesus did for us, and that God has a plan to restore creation, his original creation, back to a beautiful paradise. And God created Israel to execute his plan of salvation through the Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua. And that God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. He says, I change not. And that he set forth his plan from the beginning. And so the answer to who God is, who Jesus is, and what God's eternal plan is can all be found in the Bible. It's very clear. And it's only hidden from those who refuse to read it because God opens our understanding when we open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our minds to understand. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 8, starting in verse 10, Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Let's not that, let that be us. And then he explains in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 15, For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they've closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and be converted, so that I can heal them. And so when I talk to people, I give them the verses to answer their strange doctrinal ideas and dispel the worldly myths and logic that steals away their understanding. But so many prefer darkness, and they prefer to let the light shine, not to let the light shine in their hearts. And this is a significant theme in the Bible, woven throughout scriptures to reveal to us the stark dichotomy of darkness in the world brought by sin and death by the prince of this world. When we originally let him into our, right, the prince of darkness, we let him in when we allowed sin in. And so Jesus described it in John twelve thirty one. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Amen. That's a glorious hallelujah. He has no authority here anymore. But God is allowing these things to play out while we choose him and spread the gospel around the world. We must help spread the gospel because the prince of this world, the prince of darkness, no longer has power. Jesus died in our place and cast him out. Sin has no more power over us if we, um, if we let him live in us. And so God describes himself by contrast as light. And God reveals this theme from the first book to the last. He uses the theme of light to reveal the nature of himself in Jesus through the Old and New Testament. So we would understand that Yeshua, Jesus, the Savior of the world, was the light of God come to banish that very darkness from creation for all those who believe. God begins to build this theme from Genesis 1, and we know this very well, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, right? And so he immediately divided the light from the dark to show that he was light. But we see something very remarkable mirrored in the book of John, as this wise, aged apostle reveals Jesus in all his deity throughout his gospel, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 9. That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And the word was made flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us. Isn't that amazing? And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Listen to all the truths we see here, that Jesus was from the beginning with God. He was there when God said, let there be light. He is the light of the world. The light come into the world, and that he's the light become flesh for us. He's God in the flesh to win us and redeem us from our sins, from the darkness. Aren't we blessed? And so John actually, uh, he describes God in John 1, 5, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that's in 1 John 1, 5. And through all of John's books from from the Gospel of John all the way through Revelation, he uses light and darkness, the phrase light and darkness, to describe God compared to darkness. He uses those phrase eight times. And in uh, he uses the word light by itself in, over, in 27 verses, more than 27 times, because he uses the word light several times all the way. So light and dark and light as representing God is a major theme to show who God is in comparison to this dark world and what he gives us. And so John shows us that the creator came in the flesh and dwelt among us to give himself and to light the way to eternal life in this dark world so we can return to God's care like a captain. Think of Jesus as God uh, taking form of a man, like a captain parachuting behind enemy lines to rescue the prisoners of war, that's us, and lead the way back home to safety. That's what God did. He parachuted into the world for us and led us out into the light. And that's our God. We've already seen his promise of the Messiah throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 9-2, it's beautiful. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath light shined. And we see in uh, Isaiah 42, 6, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. Remember, we talked about that light last time. Jesus is a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah fifty ten. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness, that has no light. Let him trust in the Lord and stay upon his God. And these verses were affirmed as fulfilled through Jesus in the New Testament. We see in Matthew 4, 16, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which was sat in the region of the shadow of death, light is springing up. And we see in Luke 2, verse 30, for my eyes have seen thy salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people 
a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And we see this promise particularly in Jesus' claims about himself. In John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten of Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. And John eight twelve. Then Jesus spoke to him, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And that's what Jesus is for us. He's the light. He's the light in us. And we must let our light so shine before men. Please remember, start this year dedicating yourself to God again. Begin reading his Bible so you can shine his light in spirit and in truth and to know the one true God, for he is a lamp unto our feet. And until next time, I pray you have a merry good year and God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man.